Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science inside podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Daniel, welcome to Self-Improvement Atlas. Thanks, Aditi. Thanks for having me. Um, we're going to talk today about uh, retirement planning and the right time to start uh, retirement planning. Um, but I guess that's it's great that we have you, I guess, on board for that. You're a partner and a financial advisor at Finical. Um, can you can you tell our audience a bit more about yourself? Yes. Yeah. So in a nutshell, uh, I've been a financial advisor in the industry for well, basically 13 years now, coming up 13 years uh, since uh, finishing up uni and, and studying in industry and, and uh, going through the process to become a, a fully-fledged advisor. Um, and we've, I've worked around a, a few different areas and businesses uh, in terms of size. And, and myself and, and my business partner found there was a big gap in the market uh, with traditional sort of financial advice. So we, we worked at, at a big bank and, and even sort of smaller businesses and bigger businesses that was predominantly about older people. Um, and then sort of what we're talking about today in terms of financial retirement, but in a more traditional sense where you'd, you'd sort of be maybe in your fifties and sixties and, and leading up to retirement and retiring in that sort of early to mid mid sixties. Uh, so we did that for, for a while and about five years ago, decided to start, uh, our own business Finical to help our generations basically and younger people, uh, get on top of money at the start and, and become financial independence and, and almost flip traditional retirement planning uh, towards financial independence uh, and, and work to make the other issue we found is our, you know, my family, well, brothers, sisters, friends, a lot of people are priced out of financial advice. So we wanted to make it affordable or simple, affordable and accessible was sort of our catch cry for, for younger generations, basically young families, younger people, so that they can set themselves up and, and get the advice and guidance when they needed it earlier rather than when they were you know, 50 or 60, when it was not too late, but there, there was less that you could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been yeah, doing that for now sure. for, yeah, about five years, uh, with, with that business and then sort of steadily growing to, to help more of the, the, the sort of younger, well, millennials and, and younger generations. Yeah. Sure. And what you were saying about people being priced out of financial advice is, is so true because often the people that really, really need it are the ones that can't afford it at all. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and the costs have gone up and it's, it's um, just recently, I guess, costs of everything have gone up as well and, and costs of getting financial advice. And it's just so many people are now priced out and it's sort of becoming a, a luxury rather than a, something that people can afford. And we wanted to, at least for, for our generations, change that and flip that so that people could get the, the guidance they need when they needed it uh, and, and be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's uh, that's incredible. And I think that um, young people need to kind of get onto planning finan- for their financial future um, a lot better as well. But before we kind of, we're going to talk a lot about that, obviously, uh, for the rest of the episode. Before we kind of get into this, we've got the segment called Have You Met Daniel Thompson? In which I ask you a couple of really quick questions um, uh, so that our audience can get to know you better. Yep. Are you ready to answer them? I am, yes. Okay. What is your favorite book? Uh, so the favorite, well, quite a few that I, I like, but coming back to, I guess, a financial topic and one that, that got me into it a bit was there, there's one called the richest man in Babylon. It's sort of a, an older one now and it's, it's parable based, but it teaches a lot of general financial concepts and some we'll, we'll talk about today. Uh, it's a really, really good book to start with. Um, and I read that, well, I've read it and listened to it a few times, a number of times now, but, but first, first read it. Uh, quite a while ago and it's a good good one to sort of start and and just under, understand some general topics and and concepts uh, so i'd probably pick that one yeah 
I love that you've given um, a recommended reading as well <laughs> alongside yes. yeah. uh, our episode for today. Uh, what about a, a movie, a favorite movie of yours? Uh, probably The Dark Knight. I'm a, I'm a Batman fan um, and of all the superheroes, I was always sort of, when I was a kid, more more into Batman. Um, and, and that's probably the, the pick of the bunch for me. Uh, and and I'm probably the one I watch, I don't watch a lot of movies or often, but that's probably the one I've watched more multiple times. Yeah, for sure. The Dark Knight, a classic. Yeah. Um, Christopher Nolan, for sure. Yeah. Um, what's a podcast you've been listening to lately? Um, the one that I've listened to for quite a few years now is there's a podcast uh, called Macro Voices. It's it's by a an ex uh, hedge fund manager in the US, so it's it's a little bit technical financially, uh, but it's it's really good. There's some really really good guest speakers on it. Not necessarily a general. Uh, concept one so the book for example is very much general concepts um, this one is is wine it's actually aimed at um, funnily enough wealthier individuals or, or people money managers themselves um, but it's it's got some really good sort of insights and indications on on what's happening right now uh, in regards to you know markets and money and, and finances yeah a good one for people who maybe want to deep dive into yes, it, um, it is. a little bit yep. more definitely yeah what about a famous role model um, that you've looked up to? There's probably two. Um, when I was younger, I'd, I was a sort of a sports fan, and then sort of AFL, uh, especially. So, so there was uh, James Heard from you know a player of Essendon Bombers that I uh, really looked up to. That was definitely on on that side. And then as I, I sort of grew up and became more entrenched into to union work it was it sort of moved to, to that side and and it's now sort of people like Warren Buffett on that sort of financial side and the investing side not just of of uh because of what he's done and how he's done it but but I guess the just the way he sort of holds himself and um he's just got so many so much knowledge I suppose and, and the wisdom at the same time so it's not purely about the investing but even the way he's been able to build a business and and lead businesses uh as well yeah, yeah, for sure. Warren Buffett. Um, I, I, I'm surprised that that's the first time he's come up in our kind of episodes that are related to money and finances. Yeah, yeah. Um, really? I yep. feel like he should have come up earlier, but yes. yeah, no, he's, he's a good one. Uh, what's the last course that you completed? Um, I don't know if I've done, I did, uh, I completed my master's degree four or five years ago now, a little bit longer. Uh, that's probably the, the last major one. Uh, since then, there's been sort of shorter courses and, and that type of thing, or more, more sort of online um, rather than official, but it's probably that one. The the Masters of Applied Finance would be the, the, the more, I guess, official course, the or last official one I've done probably. What's the last short online course that you did? Well, right now I'm actually doing one. Um, it's about sort of team leading uh, or, or uh, leadership basically and, and building a team. So it's it's very much about of the day or problems and requirements of the day and, and this probably comes into the personal development side is uh, I've done even even YouTube but but um, sort of those online some, some online courses that's up till now has been very much marketing related so as we've sort of built the business it's been learning about about marketing and social media marketing where as financial advisors we we understand that and we're good at that but we've had to learn basically this this whole other concept of of marketing the business. Um, so there's that, and, and now now the business is growing, and there's a a team involved. Now it's about developing the team and and growing the team and leading the team, and and sort of getting the best out of the team. So the the current one is is one about uh, yeah team leadership, which was only literally just started probably a quarter of the way through uh, last week. Okay, well, good luck with it. Um, leadership is not the easiest thing to cultivate. Yeah, so but... it's not. It is. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's it's very. It's one of those things. Very rewarding, but but very tough at the same time. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, that kind of brings us to the end of that segment. Uh, so you are known, um, our audience, and you have well acquainted, and we might move on um, to our topic of the day, uh, which is uh, the right time to start financial planning or retirement planning, rather, I should say. Yes. Um, I guess I wanted to start very broadly. Our podcast is about personal development. Um, so I wanted to know, just to provide some context to the rest of our conversation, how do you define personal development? Uh, I'll probably define it in a pretty broad sense, uh, that that it's sort of the development of yourself and, and even skills or a skill set that you need to, to sort of improve in, in 
whether it's life or, or a specific area. Um, so rather than being sort of too defined, it, for me, professional development does, does encapsulate sort of anything really, whether it's career related, um, personal related, relationship related, wealth and, and sort of money related, that we're not sort of born with, with these skills or skill sets. It's, it's basically knowing what you need to, to learn and then and developing that and, and building certain skill sets to, to help achieve, I guess, what you want out of life and, and improve. It's, it's not necessarily about, some people get worried about changing yourself as a, an individual, but it's not so much that. It's more bringing out your best self and then being able to use that to, to sort of live your best life and your ideal life. So it's mm, more about, yeah, yeah. The, the sort of improvement in different areas to, to basically yeah, live the life that you want to live. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of tapping into like the potential that's already kind of in yes. you. Is that kind of what yeah. you'd say? Yes, most definitely. Yeah. But but also being very, well, and, and also being very, um, very targeted and, and specific. So it's not just a, initially it can be, and most people start out pretty broad based and, and just learning about personal development and what it is, but then it can get very specific in terms of, I need to learn about this, uh, or I need to learn about money or this particular skill to, to sort of master that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and what do you feel are kind of the main challenges in personal development? I think almost like I was saying, it, the the challenges probably evolve over time. At the start, it's people don't really know about it. Uh, most people, some people sort of get taught it, but most people, and I did, you just sort of stumble across it. It might be easy these days with, with um, this YouTube and, and all sorts of things, but I guess if you're at the maybe older end of the millennial, you didn't grow up with that as much. So there's, there's always been books and, and that type of thing. Now there's, there's podcasts and YouTube. So it's more, the first problem is not, not knowing it or, or not finding it. And then once you've sort of passed that, then it's about, I suppose, knowing what's, what the gaps are, I guess, and, and making a plan. So it starts with not knowing at all. And then once you sort of discover it and it, people tend to, and I, I did, I think a lot of people generally start with the, the basics and, and develop a, a few different areas, but then it's. The, the challenge becomes if you don't have a have a plan or, or if you don't sort of develop things in the right way or the right areas, you, you can tend to to sort of just become a bit of a mismatch. So rather than knowing exactly what you want or where you want to be and how to get there, um, people might read, you know, it does take time for personal development, whether it's courses or, or books and that sort of thing. And if you're doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, um, it, it won't give you as much bang for buck. And that's where you, some people say you might have the right book, but at the wrong time, and then you read it again later and it actually makes more sense. Um, and it might not be the right time for someone to read a book about um, money if they're struggling with something else or vice versa. So it sort of, for, for me, sort of comes along that continuum. And then, then as you, you sort of get older, it's a bit more about then that plan and prioritization and time, because as you get older, there's more demands of you, whether it's, whether it's work or career or family or business and community, um, social and that sort of thing. So it's then making sure that you do the right things because we don't have unlimited time to, to just be the best at everything or do everything. So it's sort of prioritizing and it ends me making sure that you sort of know what, what you want and then being able to sort of develop specific areas at the right time. And, and, and then that sort of delve into that. So it's not just, oh, I've read one book about this and, and now I know it all, but it's sort of pick something and, and maybe spend three months or something like that, you know, with some books and some podcasts and some um, courses or, or uh, videos to, to actually know you might not ever be a, a full master of it, but to, to actually get to know it deeper. Yeah, for sure. I think um, it, it, you can be like a jack of all trades and a master of none. Yes. When when you kind of take everything on at once, and yep. it's kind of if you really want to develop yourself to the best of your ability, maybe just figure out what's important to you. Yeah, that's it. And there's a concept on that note that you, people, if you learn something, you you know enough to be dangerous in the sense that. The first bit you learn, you think you know it, but you don't know it enough and you sort of have a bit of overconfidence, whereas then you sort of learn a bit more and you realize there's just so much more to learn. Um, and a lot of the time, the more you learn, then the more you realize there is just so much and that you're never done. Uh, so you just, it's actually probably, you're right, pretty important to get past that jack of all trades um, overconfidence part and, and actually delve a bit deeper into things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, then... I guess that's kind of personal development. I wanted to focus in on retirement planning and, and I'll start with the baseline question. Yep. How do you define retirement planning? So yeah, there's almost two. The, the traditional retirement planning is is when you finish work and uh, and you've got an income 
to support your lifestyle in retirement. Uh, usually up till now and previously, even currently, it's probably associated with an age pension or some sort of government benefit as well. Um, the way I like to look at it, and even us as a business, is more around financial independence and financial freedom. So it's not about working until you're 60 or 65 and then you know, retiring for maybe 20 years uh, before before you potentially pass away and, and maybe having to rely on an age pension as well. So it's more, more about planning for financial independence to give you choice and, and freedom and optionality as well. So not necessarily waiting till you're 60 or 65, but it might be when you're 40 or 45, there's a career change or you start a business or you take take a sabbatical or, or travel for a year uh, because you've got the independence or the the freedom at least financially to do that. Yeah. So yeah. sort of more for, for, for me and us building, and, and I do sort of, they're, they're inter, interchangeable financial independence and financial freedom, but I sort of class them slightly different that independence is first that that means that's the baseline. You've got you've got your regular expenses covered uh, that you don't have to work, and that gives you choice and optionality. Freedom I have is, or financial freedom I should say, is, is for me a bit of a next step in the sense that that gives you then the freedom to do what you want when you want to a degree. So that's when travel and holidays can come into it because you've got the ability to then do that. Uh, you don't you can work when you want and where you want if you want, um, and and have the, the sort of freedom to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, that differentiation is really important as well and that like it's important to remember that there's kind of tiers to it yes. as well. Yeah, that's it. And even below that is financial security, which is which is um, you know, the, the starting point just to make sure that people have that security and peace of mind. And then you're right, it's sort of almost a bit like a pyramid and they, they build on themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. How how do you feel retirement planning relates to personal development? Uh, so they they sort of are they might not at, at first thought uh, seem like they relate, but there there is a an overlap. Um, in probably in in two main areas, I, I talk a lot to people when it comes to money. There's there's sort of in a sporting analogy, there's there's like the the offense and the defense. Um, the defense is what most people talk about and look at, and most books are about that. That's your budgeting, um, saving, living within your means, and that type of thing. Um, there, there's some very and things like the book that I mentioned previously. There's some some fundamental uh, concepts, I guess, and and that sort of thing in there. That, that part of personal development is if you if you call that learning those skills, uh, knowing about how to how to budget, knowing about um, how to sort of pay yourself first and live within your means, knowing about what compounding is and, and how to take advantage of that. So that's sort of one part. The other part then is what I call sort of the offense. So that's increasing your income. Um, and that's probably the the part as much or if not more so that personal development comes in because to to increase your income, you need to provide more value or, or do something different or, or add a skill uh, or a skill set. So that's where that can really come in. And, and then it's also, yeah, learning the, the other side so that most people, the income goes up and the expenses go up and they never really get ahead, but it's it's then being able to have the income go up while the expenses sort of don't go up as much. So that that difference is what can then be put aside or, or invested for that retirement or, or financial independence. Um, so that comes in on both sides, I guess, how to how to make more and then also how to utilize what what's, uh, what you've got in a, in the best way. Mm, absolutely. And I guess um, that's kind of brings me to my kind of next question, which is, I, I think the big ticket question of the episode, when do you begin start to start planning for retirement? Yeah, so good question. Um, sort of the, the easy answer is it, 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 as soon as you can, but it depends, it depends what stage of life as well people, people are in. Um, but in terms of... <laughs> Yeah, rather than just the, just the general start when you can, it's more for people that are even as young as people studying with it, high school or uni or, or even first out in, in jobs, the income's not quite there, but you can definitely start in the sense of the personal development side and, and learning learning about these concepts or, or, or learning about, and then I guess if you're studying, you are to a degree, what does, what's needed to generate the income. Um, if there's an ability to start even putting some money aside, to, to sort of start investing, you can definitely then, um, and that's a, a good sort of habit or, or action to 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 start early. Uh, but even if it's if it's the learning and the personal development side, uh, as you're sort of getting through into into starting the career, that's when it's 
probably the best time to be honest. Definitely not the traditional wait until you're you're fifty or sixty and the kids have moved out or the house has paid off. That's that's too late. And that's where people find we'll we'll have decent amounts in, in things like superannuation um, from working careers, but but you can just do so much more than that by starting earlier. Um, so in terms of of actually starting, definitely sort of if we find and in a lot of our members, even mid to late twenties is a good starting point. Um, because you can start early and start small, and then that gives you 20 to 30 years to build up uh, you know, investments and money and funds. It allows you to sort of start early to potentially try and get into the property market um, or buy a home, which which um, is an important element of, of financial independence. Uh, so whether you might not buy something in your mid-20s, but you might be able to plan and, and set things up so that you buy something in when you're 28 instead of 35. Uh, so it's, it's yeah, it probably depend on age. If if you're older than that now, if you're already sort of um, mid mid to late thirties or or older, it's definitely worth sort of starting straight away. And and it might not mean putting money to investment or bumping up money that goes into super, for example. But it's sort of everything that goes along with it, and and at least setting a plan up and starting small and starting regular and over time, that'll really compound and grow. And I think the younger you start, um, I guess. The- your savings don't have to be as large in that sense and you because you, you're kind of building it up over a much longer time yeah, that, that's exactly right and they've actually done studies and research that if you start early and then invest 10 over a 10-year period a certain amount at a certain return and then stop and compare that to if someone started 10 years later invested the same amount and the same return over say a 20 or i think even longer period the person that started at first, even though they did it for ten years, actually ended up with more over over the sort of thirty or forty year time frame, just purely because of that. The starting early and the, the compounding, um, and the magic of, of compounding. It's it's as humans, we're not sort of really wired to to understand stand it, and and we can't sort of. It's hard to grasp the concept that if something does compound every year, the first few years or even the first five years, it's not great. But come year ten and twenty, especially, it's it's astronomical. Yeah, I think it can be difficult to look 10 to 20 years in the future, yes. especially when you're like in your mid mid 20s and even early 30s, I would say it's like very difficult to kind of see that far ahead, um, which I guess it kind of brings me to my next question as we talked about when it's too late and we've talked about when the optimal time is to kind of get started. But is there a time that's like way too early to start? Just because I know that living situations can change drastically, especially in that time from like you know you're leaving high school to go into uni yeah. and and everything's kind of very new and very different yes. yeah yeah and and that's where it comes to yeah sort of each each situation and and i even say to people and even even myself i was lucky enough to put some money into an investment when i was younger but then didn't sort of focus on it and until mid mid 20s um but it's if that's if people and people do if they finish school and then want to go on a gap year or, or do some traveling uh and that's part of their, I guess, what they want in their lifestyle and their, their life plan almost, then that's that's fine. Uh, so it's not so much, I guess, but it might not be for everyone. Some people might come straight out of school and study or, or go into work or get a trade and, and at 21 be ready to, or wanting to save up and buy a house. Uh, so it's it's sort of very much a horses for courses to a degree that it's not, I, I don't want to sit here and say, you know, 20s too early, don't worry about anyone doing that but then for some people yes it is it's it's more than about experiencing life and uh, and that sort of thing and then maybe looking a bit later whereas some people might be ready at 20 or 21 um to to buy something or, or that might be a big big target of theirs or a focus of theirs uh and if that is then that's great and that's that's sort of when the time's right yeah uh, i think it's also just like you said earlier assessing what's within your means um yes. as well yes and that's the thing if it's if it's sort of a means thing and i know you these days, work-wise, it's different. It's, it's there's not as much maybe set work, or or it's more yeah, variable in in terms of hours and and pay. Um, if it's not age-related and it's more related to that, I still think it's worthwhile uh, learning, or definitely learning. And even though the as we sort of touched on and we'll chat more, maybe is the, the putting money aside and then paying yourself first. But, but you can just do little bits, and even coming back to that, rather than set a big goal or a big target, it's just start with something small. Um, and it might be a percentage of what you earn because maybe it does fluctuate over time. So it's very hard to set an exact amount. You can't say, I'm going to put aside 100 bucks a week. But maybe it's 
2% of what you earn, for example. One, just, just something very small and very simple, almost like the concept of just put your shoes on before, don't worry about going for a run, just put your shoes on. And then something very small and simple that you, you do, that, that sort of little habit that then you've got your shoes on, so you might as well go outside and go for a walk or a run. So it's sort of that, that concept as well. So if, if the income is, is not as high yet as you'd like it to be or it fluctuates, it's more starting smaller and still starting with something to, to work with. So you, you might not you might not get into the same position as, as you otherwise would or, or if the income was more set, but you'll still be in a better position than you were otherwise or if you didn't do that. Yeah, and I guess that brings me to my next question is, which is what do you do to start saving for retirement? Yeah, so it's a good question. And again, it's all, it depends on the, the situation. But if there are some some general sort of guidelines to, to sort of step through to, based on, on where you are. So it's pretty much, well, firstly, is you've got to live within your means. That's that's sort of the, the number one rule generally. You can earn a million dollars a year, but if you spend 1.1 million, you're going to be broke pretty quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's basically learning to, to do that. And we find the best way to do that is the concept of paying yourself first. So you put money aside at the start and then you can work out what that is, whether it's that amount of, of your pay or, or it's a set percentage so that, you know, that's sort of going away to, to, to savings and investing. Um, and there's a little bit of a hierarchy of what to do with that, that savings when you've got it. If for example, you've got credit card debts at, at high interest rates, it's, it's about sort of paying those off, um, and getting rid of those. Once you've got that, it's, it's then building up a bit of a, uh, an emergency buffer or, or savings buffer. So we, um, at Finical, we like to aim for three to six months of your expenses, uh, but it can be starting with as little as a thousand dollars or $2,000. And that the peace of mind that that gives you is, is just quite a, an unbelievable feeling. You know, you've got money in the bank. I actually usually say to people do that whilst you're paying off credit card to, to if you can just because we find that if people sort of focus on the credit card by the time that's paid off something's come up so they've got to put it back on the credit card again whereas if you've got that yeah, little safety buffer you can use that rather than the credit card or you can then finally get, yeah. get on top of that um, so then it's about building that emergency fund up a bit to, to sort of cover not necessarily maybe to that full three months of expenses but but enough to feel comfortable so some people it might be five grand in the bank and that's that's a big achievement and, and that makes them have that that comfort uh, or feeling of comfortableness. Um, that's when from there it sort of starts to get exciting, I suppose, where you can then start looking at, at what to do with the money to make it work harder and to invest and grow. It's sort of that first part's about getting the foundations and, and building the foundations. Once you've got to that, then it's about the money building up and then using it to invest. Um, and this is where it can be dependent on what you want it for. Is it for a long term and can it be quite aggressive and, and do you invest in shares or is it... Um, to buy a home or, or a property um, and, and to go down that path. So it, it sort of then becomes a little bit more um, based on people's lifestyle and or life stage, I should say, and, and the goals that they have. And same with other specific savings. So people might be saving towards a, a particular holiday um, or, or, or other travel plans, or a wedding or, or planning a family. So it then becomes, and that's where it's getting a bit more exciting. So you can start trying to put more aside. So we, we ideally aim for up to 10%. Um, as, a, as a initial target, most most of the, the the members we work with, we we sort of aim more and push more towards fifteen to twenty percent of their income, uh, because everything else is sorted and and the the living situation's okay, the finances are okay, and they've got the ability then to to save more. But if you're starting out, it's much more at that lower end. Um, so it's getting yeah, I suppose that the the base is covered and the foundations are almost like building a house. I suppose you. you if you have a look at a building, they spend quite a lot of time on the foundations. That's so getting those foundations right, and then you can really, really build up from there, um, and then use that savings or that what you've put aside to invest, um, and then that'll sort of grow on itself, and you add more, and, and it compounds over time, and you find that it's like a snowball. It sort of starts rolling down a hill, and and it's slow at the start and small, but then it gathers momentum and gathers speed, um, and after time or over time, that that snowball becomes quite large. And I guess that's kind of, you know, what you were talking about is defense versus offense. That's kind of like the defense almost in that um, that's kind of saving and building yourself up to to have a buffer of sorts. Yes. Um, 
for various reasons. Um, but then I guess how, wh what about the offense kind of side of retirement planning? What about, you know, what can people do to begin um, getting a bit more aggressive about wealth generation? Yes, that's a good question. So yeah, you're right. That's, that's all more, more the, the defense side, I guess. Yeah, if we, we term it that. Um, the offense then can come in with earning more income with a higher income you get as long as you keep the expenses sort of still in line they can go up a bit but not as, as long as they don't match the income that gives you more disposable income so if you if someone's earning fifty thousand dollars a year and spending 45 they've got five thousand left if they get a pay rise or a promotion to seventy thousand a year maybe their expenses can go up to 50 but they they've still got a twenty thousand uh, dollar surplus essentially and that can then be used towards uh boosting the, the, these plans, their retirement plans or wealth creation plans. So that's definitely, and that's where the, the personal development aspect comes in, over whether it's career project, progression, sorry, or, or if it's, um, I know there's the term side hustle or starting your own business and that that type of uh, situation. But it's a way to basically, yeah, earn, earn a bit more income uh, or increase your income over time to then utilize that. But it's important then to still have that, um, yeah, I guess defense, if you want to call it that side, where you we don't have lifestyle creep. So there's the concept that as our incomes increase, our, our expenses increase and our lifestyle increases. Um, so instead of going to take away or get, get, getting fast food or takeaway, we'll, we'll eat out at a restaurant. And then over time, instead of eating out at a base restaurant or basic restaurant, we'll, we'll eat out at a, a nicer restaurant. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll go from maybe catching public transport to owning and driving a car everywhere. And, and so it, the, the lifestyle comes up. So that's why people tend to not be able to find that they get a, uh, get ahead, even though the incomes have increased. So it is definitely a, uh, a dual aspect. Um, but the offense side is probably predominantly being able to increase the income. But then on the, the other side with the investment is learning and or getting some help on how to invest to maximize that. Cause there's different types of investments. There's different ways to structure them. Um, there's different, I guess if you want to call them risk profiles and how aggressive they can be and, and potentially how much they can return over time. Uh, but that comes with with different sort of uh, risks and, and downsides as well. So it's you can have $1,000 in the bank getting 4%, which is nice and safe and secure, or you can have that in the markets getting 8 to 10%, but there's a lot more volatility and, and fluctuations with it. So it's knowing basically about that and, and being able to, you wouldn't put a, a, an emergency reserve in the market, for example, because that's there. You want that Two thousand or five thousand dollars there, even though it's only getting you three or four percent, but you can invest. You want your retirement money or your your wealth creation money to be in the markets, getting eight to ten percent, uh, or or you know, whatever return you're comfortable with for the amount of fluctuation. Uh, so that's the other side. Then how to grow the money that you're putting aside. So that, and that can make a big difference. One to two percent potentially over year, or sorry, over over decades and many years, you can add up to huge amounts. So if, instead of getting a five or six percent return if you're getting a seven to eight percent return um, over say 10 or 20 years it, it really adds up to big numbers as well yeah yeah for sure and I, I think that's a pretty good point and that like you want to make sure your emergency reserves are somewhere safe and stable so that you don't really lose um the value of of that reserve yes um but then yep. your your retirement fund you know the extra stuff you could afford to take a bit more risks that's exactly right. right. Yes. And even that can have their own buckets and, and categories. So there's, yeah, different, um, I suppose, different purposes and, and different requirements for, for, for the different types of savings. So exactly right, that emergency fund and the, the buffer, that should go into a bank account uh, or, or into an offset account if, if uh, people have a mortgage. So they might only be earning 3 or 4% on that or, or offsetting the mortgage at these days, maybe 5 or 6% previously a bit less, but it might not earn them the, the seven or eight or even 10% that they could get if the money is invested in markets. But that's the, you're right, it's the right thing. You, you don't want that money to have that fluctuation because it's there in case you do need to pull it out because there's an emergency or a health issue or something comes up or the, the car breaks down. So that's, that's there for that. And then the, the, and even coming back to the, the, the sort of offense for defense and, and how the offense works, there's the the increase in income aspects and then the the ability to make the rest of the money or the investment work harder and that's where then it's about how much to put yeah into markets whether it's share markets or, or um low cost etfs for example or something along those lines to get better returns it comes with exactly as you said volatility and fluctuations uh but it's knowing that and knowing that 
we don't need to pull that money out at times like now, for example, when, when there's a market downturn, we can just wait that yeah. out and, and ideally even add to it and, and buy in when things are lower because we've got that buffer there. That's what's going to help us get through if there's any emergency. Um, and then it, you can also then, and then it can be, is a property as well. So property is a really good um, asset. Well, from a home ownership point of view, but if, even even from a wealth creation point of view, um, it can really, really, and, and has historically performed well. The downside with property, for example, is it's, it's what we call liquid, so you can't access your money once it's in there, or it's a lot harder to, whereas markets, worst case scenario, you can. Uh, so sort of just knowing the the pros and cons of them. Uh, and then, then there's things like uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, even NFTs that are probably a little bit more speculative. Um, have well historically since since they've been around cryptocurrencies at least uh, or certain ones probably probably from a performance point of view um, got better returns but the the volatility associated with them is extreme um, so you, you know if you put in five thousand dollars to that and and you, know, you, you could quite possibly fall to two and a half uh, or, or even lower in a, a very short period of time so it's being able to sort of go through that not just in theory but emotionally and, and see your money falling and not panic and pull it out and then realize that loss. So it's having enough there that, um, as you said, there's, there's enough in an emergency buffer so you don't have to worry. Maybe in these more speculative investments, it's only a portion, maybe 10% of, of the, the money that you've got for investing and the rest goes to these these other, if you want to call them more traditional or, or, or um, sturdier types of investments, they're still going to have some volatility, but there's not the extreme of, of those ones. Uh, and so it's yeah, it's about sort of knowing that as well, and then allocating the right uh, the right amounts to the right areas, really, uh, and and having things work in tandem as part of an overall plan as well. Yeah, it's kind of that bigger picture instead of kind of putting yeah. all your eggs in one yes. basket. Yeah, exactly, and then yeah. that also even comes back to with when you asked earlier, what's how how early is too early, or when should it, should people be planning for retirement? Even if the the, the early part and the starting point is the plan and it's sort of the the think about what they want when they want what they want to be doing and the plan can help decide that it might be that they don't actually start in this might be today and, and they don't start investing for for six or 12 or 18 months because there's these few other things along the way that need to be done first but it's all part of that exactly ongoing plan and and bigger picture for them so it's although if we say what's what's how, how early is too early to start investing maybe Maybe someone's not ready to invest right now. Maybe it's still a year or two away, but there's still things that can be done in that that 12 to 24 month time frame to get them much closer to that uh, that sort of financial independence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess um, I want to now move on to our practice slash habit experiment debrief, where we can go into a bit more detail about how people, how our audience can kind of put this into practice. Um, did you have a practice uh, that you do or you would recommend to your clients to help prepare for retirement planning? Yeah, yes. I think we've touched on it. It would be very much the, the concept of pay yourself first. Uh, so traditionally, for most people, and this is just the way that it works or, or we've sort of learned from parents is money comes in, you pay the bills, um, you you spend a little bit and then or you spend some, quite a bit probably, and, and save whatever's left, if there is something left. Usually that's a little bit, if anything at all. Um, a lot of the time that goes into savings, but it tends to sort of leak back out again when something comes up. Uh, so there's never really a, a, a getting ahead as much as we, we would like to feeling or a feeling of getting ahead as much as we would like to. Um, so if you flip that and you pay yourself first, and this comes back to the, the ideal, well, the, the ideal starting point is 10%, but whatever whatever can be done, if it's 2%, if, if it's the same as the concept of just putting your shoes on and going for a walk and just 2% of what, what you earn, if it's um, if the income's fluctuating or, or a variable amount, just just starting that act and that habit. So every every pay cycle, basically, or, or every time you get paid, putting aside, having a set standalone account um, that, that you start to put aside and then gradually get towards 10%. And then ultimately, if possible, get get close to that sort of fifteen to twenty percent target because that then gives you a lot of options to build up or already built up that emergency fund and then allocate that money to to investments. Um, so yeah, it, it'd be probably that the the pay yourself first flip. So rather than the bills and, and the spending, 
allocate that that sort of portion first and then you know, pay the bills on what's needed and then basically you can spend what's left knowing that you've already allocated everything else. So it's, it's a very good, well, guilt-free as well, almost feeling of when, when you spend that way because you know that everything else is actually done. You've already put money aside and this money that you've got left, you can literally spend it on whatever you want uh, because that's what it's there for. Mm, absolutely. And I guess um, pay when you pay yourself first, it's kind of prioritizing um, that that saving, you kind of have a bit more control over how much savings you are putting into it as opposed to just whatever's left over, I guess, at the end, which can yeah. fluctuate a lot. Yes, and that's exactly right. Yeah, and, and set that that amount, you're right, and target, and you put that away. And then ideally over time, you, you increase that. And that might be, and sort of coming back to everything, the, the way it sort of ties in is it might be that the income does gradually increase. And, and so that savings rate increases as a result. It might be that you're able to pay off debts or, or reduce the expenses a bit and free up some extra cash flow that way. So the idea is that that gradually increases as well. So it's the the, the, the concept and the habit that comes first and then the the regularity of it and the amount increases over time. Yeah, for sure. And what are three good things um, about uh, paying yourself first? Uh, the three probably, it builds, it builds that buffer from the start and helps you get on top well earlier so it might not i mean you might not see huge gains right at the start but you will start seeing them so it, it, it's sort of you, you can see that, that 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 sort of gain over time or, or early on and, and over time so it sort of adds that momentum i suppose uh in that sense um that then also so not, not that sort of combines to create momentum and, and that, that feeling, but also a peace of mind feeling. There's, I've experienced this as well, but a lot of people sort of tell me an experience that, especially with money, um, there's an unbelievable sort of emotional side to it as well, that that when you sort of got debt, or if, if you, know, you, you, you know, when I was at uni, you didn't know much, or even in the first job, you, you don't sort of earn as much um, as you do later on in life. So you don't have the, the cash flow there. Um, and if people then, and the people, if there is any debt on top of that for whatever reason, can feel sort of uh, overwhelmed and, and under a lot of pressure. There's there's a, a really um, a unbelievable feeling of being able to sort of not have debts and, and know that things are on autopilot, that you're putting money aside, your your money's working for you, it's working well, and you're starting to really build towards this financial financial freedom and financial independence. It's not only the the feeling of peace of mind, but it's also just the it gives you more confidence as well because you know that money's sort of going well, it's working well. You can focus on something else, whether it's your career or, or your family or something like that, because you know that the money is is being taken care of and working well. So I don't know how many of that is, if that's two or three, but it sort of yeah, it works that way. And I guess it, it, finally, we've had it works. It's one of those. It's a concept, but a, a habit that that actually does work as well so it's it's not one of just those theories that can't work in practice um it, it really is something that that does work and then basically everyone that, that does it and, and continues it finds that they get those benefits from it mm. yeah i feel like i mean i think uh, that was two things but i feel like the second thing um can encapsulate so many different um, benefits yes. that it's almost like seven things, I guess, in <laughs> yes. one, um, for sure. Are there any challenges um, with this? Um, yes, there can be. I guess, like you were sort of saying earlier, the, the income side can be a challenge, uh, especially, again, this is one of the theory or theoretics, but you know, theory of best practice, in, in, especially here in Australia, it's, it's a pretty expensive country to live or areas. It, it's not, you, you do have to, it might help if, if you're still at home, for example, but if you're renting or you've got a mortgage um, or, or any any sort of living costs, boarding, that sort of thing, you, it, the income sort of, it, it's a fact of life. You, you do have to sort of earn a certain amount to be able to su survive and be comfortable. Um, and it is, I've, I haven't lived personally in other countries, but it is a, a sort of higher cost of living country than, than potentially a lot of others. Um, so that, that can be, and that's where it comes back to just, just, Still, still trying to start and still just do something, even if it's one or two percent each pay of, of what you get. So you don't have to. You might hear the the ten or fifteen or twenty percent, um, but you don't have to start with that. That's the aspirational goal. It's sort of just start start with what you can, but starting early and and doing it 
every pay and hand as often as possible. Um, sometimes things will come up. That's that's understandable, but that's part of life. That's what building this buffer fund's for. So you might have two grand in, in a buffer and you've got to pull a thousand dollars out because something happens and you just start back and, and keep building until that 2000 comes back and then you can allocate more back into the investments or start back into the investments. So it's probably that mix of that income and, and life because life happens. But the whole point of, for, for me and us finances or financial planning is to help with life um, at the basic level that when life happens, your money's okay. And then from there to help create the life that you want and, and design the, the sort of life in the future. Uh, so if it's, yeah, the, to impact it, it's, it's probably that, that that we find people struggle with the most is is if, and you mentioned it, is if the income's not quite there or it's it's a bit more sporadic or it's variable. Uh, but that's where the percentage and the starting small really help. Yeah, for sure. And I would imagine there's just, you know, like you said, um, money has kind of an emotional impact on people as well, especially if they're dealing with debt um, early on. But I'm also thinking about just the fact that I think people tend to not really want to think about money, but they want the money to be there so that they can think about other things. Yes. Um, yes. So it's it's kind of like I would assume when you're starting out that anxiety about having to think like be on top of things all the time. And I think that comes with any practice is like you really have to just be a bit more aware and, and place a bit more attention yep. on it until that, it becomes. Actually, you're right. That is, um, it's, you know, it's, it's like anything it is with anything and, and money possibly even more so there's a wider degree of anxiety that, that can be with it and and a lot of people don't want to look at it or, or worry about it um and you don't have to be able you can get into a situation where you don't have to worry about it but it, at the start you're right it does take some some focus and effort um sometimes that's where maybe it's getting some support and guidance just like a personal trainer or something like that so whether it's a, a money coach or um, an advice like us that it, it helps with that starting ground if, if people are sort of really struggling to do it themselves Sometimes that can actually come in to, to play to help get some support and guidance to to take those first steps and, and at least get that ball rolling and the momentum going from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess how I, I'm going to ask, I guess, some very practical questions now. Yes. Like, how often um, should you be doing this? I'm assuming it's every paycheck, but like, is there, wh how do you sit down and like pay yourself first? Like what is kind of yeah, the, the logistical, yes. yeah. So yeah. you got it, it's basically every paycheck or pay cycle, so it's weekly or fortnightly or monthly. Um, it's probably good to still sit down weekly and, and it might only be for an hour a week once you've got things up and running, uh, if that, just to sort of check on things. What What we generally recommend at the start is sitting down each week um, or each each fortnight as a minimum if it's a fortnightly pay cycle, but even each week just to keep on top of things for an hour um, and, and checking how things are going and, and making sure everything's all right. But with the pay yourself first, doing it manually, you might get paid on a Wednesday and, and you, you pay yourself the order everything that evening or the Thursday morning or whatever it might be. Um, get used to it. And then it, it does help to do things manually to start with, but then to, to pretty quickly um, automate it so the best part about it is once you know what's happening and you're comfortable with it, it can actually all be automated. So you can get paid on the Wednesday. You can have the money on the ne the very next morning, basically going into all the different accounts. Um, you know that what's left you, you can spend. You know the bills have, are being paid, uh, whether there's an account for that or, or be paid directly. You know that money's going into your buffer account. You know that money's going into your investment account and you've got X amount left over um, to, to basically live on and enjoy and go out and, and uh, that sort of thing. So... To start with, it's very much sort of sit down. And even even at that stage, the time requirement's lower, but it's still good to, to sort of sit down for maybe it's half an hour a week. Just keep an eye on everything, see what it's like and, and um, put this measure it. Just just review it and make sure that it's working. They might not need to spend a lot of time actively in it, but uh, at the start, it probably does take a bit more time because it's good to manually do things and then transfer things yourself and see where it's going. And then after you're comfortable with that and, and not too long in terms of time frame as well, but, but set it up. And the great thing with internet banking these days, investments, you can just automate everything. You can have transfers going to different accounts. You can have investments being, you know, pulling the money out into the investment on a regular basis, whether that's monthly or every three months or something like that. Um, so you can really put that on autopilot. And then it's just about keeping an eye on it at that, at that sort of higher level uh, once a week or even once a fortnight. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I was I was just going to suggest um, banking apps and, and digital kind of banking services make things so easy and it makes it yes. so easy to organize. You see it all at a glance yes. um, and you don't have to worry too much, I guess, in terms of, you know, having to troll through yep. various accounts and, and figuring out where it's going. That's it as well. Yeah. And, and apps are doing that more now. We, we, we work with a software provider that is a basically an all-in-one solution. So you can link up accounts, you can link up your super funds, your investment funds, you can pull your property in and, and it really is that um, financial snapshot on a page. So you can just log in, see where everything's at, check how it's all going, um, rather than have to log into multiple systems and that type of thing. Um, so mm -hmm. and that's a great thing, technology. The concepts, it's funny, the concepts are, are the same as, as for decades, um, but the technology allows us, back in the day, it was, it was you know, the envelope, the old envelope system where you get paid in cash and this is probably five decades ago and, and or we'd get a check and you'd check it and um, you know, you might have cash in, in envelopes in the system and you might have uh, a book that you track things and then it going, came to, to sort of spreadsheets spreadsheets and Excel. So similar concepts, but now it's the technology is available to be able to utilize just to make it so much simpler to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, would you recommend this practice to everyone? And I know we, we've touched on this, but I like to explicitly ask this question. Yes. Um, just in case there are pockets of people that it doesn't apply to. Yeah. Um, I would, uh, yeah, the general, that yes, the, the sort of that habit, habit and, and practice and concept of paying yourself first. Uh, it might be that, as I said, that, that it's just a, a one or 2% to start with. It's, it goes close to 10 as possible. Um, but just starting with something, setting up a savings account and starting it is definitely worthwhile. It might be that it's more about other aspects first. It might be about growing income or, or paying off debt or, or finding ways to, to cut some expenses, for example, if things are, are quite tight. But we find that it's always good to just to start and have that, that habit and concept sort of working and at least building some emergency buffer along while you're uh, looking at other things. Um, and then anyone that's okay comfortably financially or okay financially or, or able to sort of save but not consistently, that's where you, you start to get real the real bang for buck uh, in the sense that you can have that set amount, as you mentioned earlier, you can choose how much to put aside and, and that's being set aside first. Uh, and that's when it really can start to, or that's when the snowball really starts to build. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And based on your experience, do you have, uh, would you recommend any other practice or habit um, or tool to combine with paying yourself first? Uh, I suppose maybe it's, if we say that's coming back to linking the, the, the whole personal development side and the offense, it, it's probably just, well, almost be a, a lifelong learner it's a little bit esoteric i guess but it's yeah developing yourself in in different areas at the same time so that there's always sort of multiple things in play offense defense or different balls in play and while you're saving or investing you're learning how to or what to invest in um or and or how to progress in your career uh, or even other areas that, that you enjoy um, more so it's probably a bit more of a, a, an overarching thing i guess but but, but probably, yeah, being being that sort of lifelong learner and, and nothing's ever, you've never learnt everything. There's always new things being discovered and um, it actually sort of, it's a, a good feeling as well uh, when you sort of learn learn new things and, and learn about new new and different and interesting uh, areas of the world. Yeah, yeah, and that's so true. Um, and I think like, even though it feels a bit generic to say that, um, it's having that self-awareness is going to help even just on the base level of managing your spending uh, and knowing where it's going as well. So uh, it's super important. Yes. Yeah. And you, you find, uh, we might be going a bit off topic here, but um, you, people find, and I, I felt it as well, that the more in that sense, you sort of have the, the learning and the understanding. It's a strange thing. You, you don't feel the need to, from a financial point of view, then spend on frivolous things. So it's, it's almost like you, you're right, you get this experience worldwide and things like travel do that as well and, and different cultures and open your eyes and that sort of thing to, to different ways of life and experiences. Um, and, and it, we find that the people that sort of are, are like that tend not to be the ones that want to, uh, you know, keep up with the Joneses or, or buy just for the sake of it or, or upgrade for the sake of upgrading. There's always going to be a requirement for certain things, but, uh, that's, that sort of, we find that people that, uh, are, are that sort of materialistic don't, don't tend to sort of, um, be that that sort of experiential lifestyle and, and learning side not all the time but but uh we more often than not 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, that's the end of the practice slash habit experiment debrief. I might move on now um, to some questions from our audience. Are you happy to answer them? Yes, definitely. Cool. Um, so our first question is uh, pretty relevant to what we've already discussed, which is which should we focus on first, investment or savings? And my personal follow-up questions to that are, um, should there be one that we focus on first or can you just do both? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess in, in practical terms, you can't invest without saving um, unless, you, unless you borrow, but we don't want to do that to start with at least. So you have to, you have to save, you have to be able to save to have money to invest. Um, so it all comes down to that. And, and even saving or prior to saving, it comes to cash flow. You can't save if you're spending more than you're earning. But that's that, that whole, you could spend, you can earn a million, but if you're spending 1.1, you're not going to be able to save. So it comes to being able to save first. Um, then it's that, as we spoke about earlier, maybe the, the, the tiers and the priority of, of saving. So it's always good to have an emergency buffer. It might not you don't need to necessarily maybe get to that three months that we, we talk about being the ideal buffer. Maybe you start with $5,000 and from there, then you can start saving to invest because you've got that that emergency buffer. Um, so that, although theoretically that's going to sit there not, not earning as much as you could get financially, but the emotional benefit that comes with that and the protection that comes if something goes wrong means that you don't have to take out your investment, you can sort of keep it in there. You don't have to access it because, um, you know, the car blows up or something happens and you need a thousand or two thousand dollars to to fix something. So it's better to start with that and, and just get those foundations right, even if it means waiting six months to invest. Um, it's it's more about time in the market than timing the market. There's yes, you don't want to buy it at the peak and there's ways to be smart about it, but it's more doing it when it's right and then starting and then investing over time and be able to keep that money in the market and not pull it back out because of personal circumstances or, or something coming up. So there is, yeah, it's probably definitely savings comes first, but you don't have to save up this huge amount before you start investing. It can just be a, a smallest amount and then you can start and even do both side by side. That is definitely possible, but it always have at least a, a minimum amount of savings as a, a, a foundation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next question is what are the best places to invest into, uh, to begin retirement planning? Uh, so this is probably one that's very, 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 very much based on situation, uh, and age and, and where you're at. And, and if it's, if we could say, you say it's retirement planning, so we're talking long-term and then financial independence, it, it would generally be more aggressive investments. So the, the we call the share market, whether it's individual companies within the share market or shares, whether it's a, a what they call exchange traded funds or ETFs, which are a more diversified way to do that, or or, or manage funds, um, or even property, if it's um for for sort of long term purposes and and you're in a position to do that, so it would be more something that's focused on higher returns um, that can that can make your money compound at a higher rate because a 10% compounding over 10 or 20 years is, is going to give you so much, uh, such a, a better outcome than something that's compounding at five or 6%. So the specifics depend on how, <clears throat> how people want to invest, um, and, and how, how much they can tolerate ups and downs of their money and the fluctuations of, of money, but it would still be geared towards something more aggressive, um, than, than say just money in the bank. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think it would also be quite personal as well in terms of what you want to invest into. I, I am assuming the amount that you get out of it is probably not the only thing people have in mind when putting yes. their money into places. Well, yes, that's the other thing. I'm glad you brought up. I was, was going to mention it if we had time, but there's there's definitely these days so much more you can invest, obviously to make a return, but to also do good with that money as well. Um, so there's there's a lot of different investment options these days that will exclude certain industries, um, companies, even countries, <clears throat> if from a personal point of view, that's what people want. And without having to forego the return either in the past, there, maybe you had to, to forego a bit of return or, or the cost of doing that, having that type of investment was a bit higher. But these days, um, it's, it's, it's basically the same. You can invest broad, broadly in everything, or you can invest very specifically um, in line with sort of personal values and, and preferences and still get the financial outcome whilst having that, you're right, that personal uh, outcome as well. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and a final audience question. What is the optimum amount of money to save up when entering retirement? <laughs> so this one, again, it's very, very, and that's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's also one of the great things for us. It's, it, it is so personal, um, money and life. So they've, they've done, all the research in the study is for a single person, I think it's up to about 40 or 45,000 a year now income's needed. And for a couple, it's 80-ish. I'd have to double check. This is sort of annual income, but you need to sort of have money put aside for that. The The traditional approach was, and this is where the million dollar figure, a lot of people might have heard about, you need the million bucks to retire. The idea of that is you have a million dollars invested. So whether that's throughout superannuation or in property or in share markets, and that generate at retirement, you might not want to be really aggressive. So you might just invest in, in a, a moderate, uh, an investment that provides a, a moderate return, but for a moderate, um, I, I guess, a level of aggression or in terms of fluctuation. So you might get 5% or 6% instead of 8, 8%, but the, the money is, is relatively or slightly more stable. Um, the, the theory was that a million dollars at 5% returns, um, reasonably consistent returns give you $50,000 a year. Uh, and that's, that's enough to, to sort of provide a reasonably comfortable retirement. But mm. it is, it is very, if you're starting, if you're 25 today, you could reasonably expect to have a million dollars over a, a 30 to 40 year time frame through just superannuation, for example, and putting some money aside. So it then becomes probably more about the time frame and how much you need. So people might only need 400,000, for example, but they'd like to get there in 20 years rather than 40 years, because that thing provides that base level of financial security or financial independence. So it's, it's really working out how much you need to live on or how much, how much covers the bills basically. And I should also, by the time it, it, home ownership is a big part of, of this retirement sort of discussion or financial independence, because it means that you don't have to pay rent or a mortgage and you've got this big chunk of an expense taken away. Uh, so that's actually a big aspect as well. So if it's, you're not owning a home yet, it's basically looking at buying a home or paying off a mortgage quicker than normal in, in uh, your home or, or the next home, because that is 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 a one big pillar of, of sort of financial independence. Uh, once that's done, you might only need $600 a week to live off um, to meet the other financial sort of security me metrics and measurements. And then it's building up enough. So that might only need 300,000, for example, in investments to achieve that. So you don't need this million dollar ideal amount with a home and maybe 300,000 provides you security. And then maybe it's 500 provides independence and, and 800 provides freedom, um, depending on how much, you know, if you want to travel every year or every second year, um, depending on what your lifestyle is and, and that type of thing. So it's, yeah, so it's a bit hard to answer. It's a bit maybe of a, a generic answer with that one, but it is, it is very, very personal. And, and the whole sort of retirement planning process or independence, you know, financial wealth creation or financial independence and, and financial planning itself process is geared at it all starts with individual goals and values and, and preferences um, because the outcome is, is tailored purely to that. So there's no, no two people that are exactly the same in that sense. Um, and the, the outcome will always be slightly different. The, the, the path to get there might be similar, but, but the specifics and the outcomes will be a bit different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I wanted to end um, with uh, our audience, kind of what, how, where can they find you and, and, and how do they learn more about Finical? Uh, yes, it's probably the easiest way would be the website, uh, finical.com.au. Uh, it, it has a lot of information there on, well, general concepts, part of what we want to do is educate and empower people at the same time as, as helping set these things up. Um, so what, what we do is, and the way we've designed the business is to to work with younger people uh, to, to sort of basically put a blueprint and a roadmap in place. So we have a, a membership and a subscription model that people can have a look on the website and, and check that out. And it's really aimed at, at this sort of thing, getting started, getting it done, um, building the financial house basically, or designing it firstly. Uh, and then sort of building it. So you're not going to achieve financial independence in a year or two, but definitely maybe 10 to 15 to 20, but you can get on track. And then I oh, was spoken about the feeling of that, the momentum that that builds uh, permeates into everything uh, uh, throughout life. Uh, but yeah, sorry, Absolutely. best way would probably be the website. Um, my All my details are there. You can reach out directly to me from that or, or uh, get basically a lot of information. 
information uh, from that, the general in, uh, information and education stuff there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all of the, the website links um, and details will be in our show notes as well. Uh, but Daniel, thank you so much uh, for joining on the show today. Um, I, I'm sure the audience has learned so much uh, from today. It's yes, really thank beneficial. you, I, I hope so. I hope, I hope uh, yeah, at least someone's uh, got some benefit and, and knowledge from it. Thank you. Thank you again. I've had a great time. Awesome. Me too. Thanks, Aditi. You've been listening to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can also be found on our website at pe.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kutti. Thanks for tuning in.